Hi, and welcome back to the Practicing Alchemy podcast. It's Allie, your host. Um, I will be talking today about oneness. So I struggled a bit trying to come up with a good name for today's episode, and I'm still kind of struggling. Don't know if I love it yet. There's just so many words that make sense to me. Oneness, unity, collective, sameness. I don't know, man. Something like that. But I figure I'll just start talking and maybe I will discover a better name as I go. If I don't, you are very welcome to come up with a title of your own. So, firstly, I'd like to give a little background of my relationship with oneness and when it started. I grew up Catholic. I would say we were raised decently strict in the Catholic faith. My dad was the youth minister at our church for a handful of years and our family was very involved in the community. All of us kids did a stint of altar serving, and then as we grew older, we joined our parents as Eucharistic ministers, and my dad used to do readings in church as well. If you're not Catholic and don't know what altar serving or Eucharistic ministering is, basically the altar serving, you have kids, or adults I guess, dress up in these white robes, and you run around the priest and help him do stuff like light candles and hold the book and such, so... That's what we did. Um, The Eucharistic ministering is just holding the bread and and wine during church. So that's that. Anyway, we were involved, to say the least. So I think I voluntarily missed Sunday Mass for the first time when I was like 17 or 18. Um, And I say voluntarily because every once in a blue moon, I had a soccer game on a Sunday during church time. And we were out of town for a tournament, and even then, my parents would pawn me off on another family to get to the game. They would go to church and meet me later at the game. So, um, during my last few years of high school, my dad was working away from home. He would be gone for a couple weeks at a time, come home for a week, then leave again, and the process would repeat. It's important to add this part about my dad because if he was in town, there's no way in hell that I would have mischurched for fear that he would up and disown me right then and there. Also, yes, I just said hell, and I do understand the irony of it given the current topic discussion. Anyway, I was staying at my best friend's house who was also Catholic and whose family went to the same church as us but practiced a much more laid-back version of Catholicism. And that is not meant to be a dig. Uh, I love the way they practice Catholicism. It wasn't so stressful, you know? So I remember I was going to ride to Mass with my friend and her mom and then just meet my mom there. I think the two of them slept in and I woke up in a panic because they weren't ready and we absolutely had to leave in the next five minutes or we would be late. Our church was like 20 minute drive, so there wasn't a lot of leeway time. Um, My mom had left my house already, so hitching a ride with her wasn't an option. I honestly don't remember the small details after that. I probably blocked them from my memory as a defense mechanism, but I do remember being at home when my mom got back from church and immediately sputtering out apologies and blame and whatever else I could think of to keep me from being grounded or worse. I have no idea what the worst part could have been, like I said, I had never voluntarily missed mass before, so from my point of view, the possibilities for punishment were endless and violent. 
the relevance of all this is coming now, so bear with me. In a predictable fashion, I went to college and ended up studying religious studies. That was supposed to be my drum roll just then. I know, you're shocked. I was going to be a missionary. Even now, as I say it, I am cringing. And not because I don't believe in missionary work or that I think it's lame or something. I actually did a few mission trips as a kid. Remember, very involved. And they were eye-opening and taught me some important life lessons. Um, I'm cringing because it is so far from my lifestyle right now. And also, many, and I mean many, of the beliefs that I held before studying religion were broken down and shaken up during my years in college. The irony is that I began my classes fully believing I would learn great things about my Catholic faith that would inspire me to move and love and show compassion for others. And I finished my studies in a homosexual relationship, no longer considering myself a Catholic, and firmly believing that when you strip away the politics and the stigma and the stereotypes and get to the true core beliefs and practices, that all religions are essentially the same. And so we have made it to today's hot topic, oneness. I took a class in college called Ancient Texts, and this is where I discovered a lot of similarities. In the class, we were reading religious Hindu texts, and the name Brahman was brought up. From what I remember, and from what I have just researched again right now to confirm, Brahman is the absolute god of Hinduism. He occupies the highest place in the religion as the creator of all. He is the light, the ruler, the lord, without beginning or end, indestructible and indescribable. But also he is none of those things because Brahman transcends all discernible categories, limitations, and dualities. I actually remember a discussion we had in class where my teacher explained it like this. The more you know Brahman, the less words you have to describe him. Okay, for any of you that practice a form of Christianity or simply understand Christianity, does this not sound oddly familiar? In the Christian faith, there exists the belief that God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. There is also the belief that besides being all-powerful, God is also all-knowing and all-seeing. He is infinite, has power over all things, and exists in every place throughout all time and all creation. Hmm... It sort of feels like between these two religions, we are speaking about the same divine being, just using different words placed in different order, right? All right, how about we take a quick glance at Buddhism? Always a fun one. Practicing Buddhists live by four noble truths. Number one, there is suffering. Seems legit. There's suffering. You know, diseases, death, pandemics. Yep, I think we can agree suffering exists. Number two, there is a cause of suffering. In Buddhism, there exists a belief that suffering arises from attachment to desires. Desires can be material objects, sensual pleasures, even relationships. Attachment to these things causes one to experience suffering when their desires are not met. The idea that one experiences suffering due to an attachment to human desires reminds me of another idea. What is it? Hmm. Oh, right. The seven deadly sins of Catholicism. 
pride, envy, lust, anger, gluttony, greed, sloth, hmm, could all be considered human feelings or desires, if you will. Interesting. Number three, there is the cessation of suffering. In Buddhism, this is called nirvana. I believe in Catholicism, you would call this heaven. Number four, there is the eightfold path leading to the cessation of suffering. Whew, don't worry. There is a cheat sheet in Buddhism to reach nirvana called the eightfold path. This path consists of eight practices that aim to release one from suffering and rebirth into nirvana. They are right resolve, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right samadhi, meditative absorption or trance. Well, dang, would you look at that? Catholicism has a cheat sheet too, the Ten Commandments, which offer a list of rules to follow to avoid sinning. Of course, every religion has differences. Some are subtle, some are dramatic, but all of them have a very similar core, kind of like humans. We can all be so drastically different when it comes to looks or personalities, speech, lifestyles, but deep down we have one thing that connects us all. We are all human, consisting of, for the most part, the same biological structures. What a thought indeed. I want to leave you today with questions, with a wondering, with a curiosity to learn more. There is a quote I saw on Instagram last week that I feel like sums up this podcast, and I wanted to share it with you guys. A closed-minded person only believes in their own interpretation of life. A very open-minded person will take on board everyone's theory on life and dismiss none, therefore having a much greater chance of possessing real truth. You guys, there is so much wonder and magic buzzing around our world. What if instead of staying close to only the things we have always known, we open our eyes a little to explore other possibilities? The statement, anything is possible, has been watered down and stretched out so much it has long since lost its power. But let's take back that power and lean into the truth of the phrase. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you got a little something out of it, or at the very least, it got you thinking. I love you all. God bless.